0: Hey, what's going on anyway? Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Anne Headley, and this is my podcast, What Is Going On Anyway? It's a bi-weekly check-in where I take a look at the coming two weeks following the new and full moon and I reflect on what's going on in my inner world and how that relates to the outer world. Can you hear in the background the bullfrogs are croaking away back there they're joining me this time it is the weekend of the long holiday of 4th of July and I can hear fireworks in the background and up here in Maine we've had this unusual weather which has been foggy rainy um, cloudy overcast and it's gone on for longer than a week and that starts to make our heads burst a little bit when we expect that we've come to the good weather of the year like we deserve some lovely sunny summery days it hasn't stopped me I've been getting in the pool and dunking even though it's I'm considering it my cold dip but it's not all that cold so often I think we and i mean collectively we are thinking and feeling similar things that waves move through us i love getting your feedback about what's resonating with you as you listen and the last time with the new moon and the solstice time we talked about mending and repair and i did get a lot of feedback around that 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 was potent that mending and repair is maybe that's on our minds collectively I didn't reflect as much around discarding and composting, but composting is on my mind. I have a greenhouse and I get really excited in the spring when food emerges from the ground. Right about now, I've got kale and mustard greens all going to seed in the greenhouse. It's alive with these beautiful yellow flowers that I I also eat, but mostly it's just overrun. I like to save seeds so i am doing that but i only need about six plants for as many seeds as i'd want plus i still have seeds from last year and i'll have plants going to seed again before the end of the season and maybe you can guess this about me remember the violets in spring that i needed to compost and in fact ding 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 i did compost them and maybe you relate to this as well it's really hard for me to make the decision to compost perfectly good plants that I just didn't get around to eating. I've been talking about decision-making as artistry, and I think some of that requires benevolent forethought. Decision-making has to contain a desire for something that we don't yet know. My abundant tomatoes and peppers that I hope for, but that I can't guarantee, for example. Years ago, we gathered acorns and threw them around everywhere, wishing for oak trees nearby. We eventually got this one seedling oak tree in our yard, and we hopefully weeded around it. We even staked it up to grow straight for a few years. Now it's a sturdy teenager, and it's producing acorns of its own. It's attracted brown tail moths which have been abundant in this area in recent years. And if you don't know this creature, they have fuzzy hairs as caterpillars, which is highly irritating to human skin. Most people react with a bad rash that lasts. And if their hairs are breathed in, it can even cause internal irritation. They generally make frolicking about near oak trees an unpleasant experience. The first year we found them in the tree coincided with 2020. And we were in full panic mode about how everything was out to get us. We put on Tyvex suits and respirators and safety glasses and latex gloves and tried to pull off or cut down all the caterpillars. It was sort of this frantic response to what felt like an attack. And every spring since then, I've gone out, and I've plucked them off the tree. I have become less concerned about getting the rash because over the past couple of years, the rash has become less severe. I don't know if I'm getting used to it or I'm just better at not getting it, but I can go out just with a gloved hand and pull them off the tree and I'm fine. This year, a Phoebe made a nest on the porch next to the oak tree. I plucked a few caterpillars but I didn't really work that hard at it and they did go to the top of the tree and they ate a lot of the leaves but the tree is flourishing. I heard from a friend that Phoebes eat brown tail when the brown tail moths are in their moth stage and I just thought how wonderful that I can encourage the Phoebes and they can grab those caterpillars up high which I can't reach course, they're not grabbing the caterpillars, they're getting the moth, they're in the moth stage. And I'm not sure what I mean exactly by this story, just that we don't always know where the help will come from. And maybe we don't have to know this. If someone told me I needed Phoebes, I might have done all kinds of strange Phoebe attracting maneuvers that could have frightened them away in the end, rather than attract them. I've certainly done that in my life. My process was more about learning to be in relationship with my home and the ecosystem around it without manhandling the systems too much. And do we need to talk about that word manhandling? It's a weird word, isn't it? The definition of manhandling is to move by hand with great effort or to handle usually someone roughly by dragging or pushing. An Urban Dictionary says manhandling is making a big show of completing a task in such an unnecessarily rough and excessive manner in an attempt to exhibit superiority over others. I would say that first year with the brown tail, I was manhandling the situation. And, you know, really, truly, I do want to win the battle of brown tail versus me. I'm not sure exactly what I'm getting at here. Just that sometimes answers to the things that we think are problems, maybe aren't solved by our own hands. And that stepping back and allowing other solutions that you may never have thought of before to slide into place is a more balanced way of approaching things. And maybe that has relevance to reconsidering our relationships and our communities and and how we manage problems. Maybe we haven't yet discovered the right solution. And in the case of the brown tails, you can hire people to come poison your trees or cut down branches. And I don't know yet what the result of having a Phoebe family in my yard will be on the moths and the brown tails when we get to that stage. So we'll have to come back and see, but I'm very hopeful that it could be one of maybe many solutions. One thing I want to circle back to, I mentioned in the last episode and that is how to ask a good question. And interestingly, as I did my, amateur research this week, which involved asking my therapist how to ask a good question. It seems that asking a good question, like so many things in life, involves having and understanding good boundaries. You know, sometimes we want to ask a question for someone else or to point out to someone else how much righter we are than they. But boundaries actually manage that stuff for us. So it can leave us with a more powerful position from which to ask a question. And what I mean by that is when our boundaries are taking care of ourselves and our feelings so that we have a safe bubble around ourselves, then the questions we ask aren't doing the work of anything other than satisfying our curiosity. You know what I mean by that? Like if you ask a question, why did you load the dishwasher that way? That's not really a curious question. That's more of a provocative question, pointing out, you know, I mean, in, it could be a curious question, but often we ask questions like that to point out the mm, feelings that are being unspoken. So when our boundaries are taking care of our unresolved thoughts and feelings for us, then we don't have to use questions as a way to to jab or hurt or provoke something other than our own inquiry. When we ask from a place of true curiosity with no agenda, we can discover fabulous points of entry to our subject or to our question. I wanna make note that history of the I Ching does include answering only yes and no questions where you would receive a broken line or an unchanging straight line as a yes or no, but it evolved over time to the full hexagram where you've got six lines relating to each other and those relationships and the combination of those relationships gives you an interpretation for change for all the different aspects of change involved in life it's quite beautiful so that desire to understand more and the change involved in understanding more how we compare several lines was it became more instructive as an oracle than just yes and no and that's why it's advised to steer away from yes and no questions because they don't give you that field of inquiry that's so potent for our curiosity. If you just think about the straight line and the unbroken line as the creative force and the receptive force, it takes you pretty quickly into the story of procreation and the creation of human life and the connection of the sperm and the egg, which forms the midline of the body. And if you look at embryology, you can see that the first division of the zygote becomes the midline of the spine. I wish I had something to point to. I might be able to find a video that I can link in the show notes. I'm going to see if I can do that. So that you can see how the very first division of the Zygote which becomes the embryo that first cellular division is the midline of the spine and everything develops outward from that So that's sort of like that first line of creation and the space around that is the reception making space for the division of those cells is the receptive and really what else is there but creativity and a space to hold that creativity. I'm talking philosophically. And in the Sankhya theory of creation, which is the basis of yoga philosophy, there is the everything that divides itself into the dancer and the witness, the creativity and the space to hold that creativity. I think it's quite beautiful and peaceful to think all our mental quandaries being dissolved into the simplicity of a creative act and the space around that act. And maybe it's curious to think about that as a yes and a no, but maybe it takes us to more interesting areas to consider how a good question gives us a good answer. And I wanna return to the reminder that a good boundary has to do with sticking up for our own personal right to feel good and to take up space. And it often comes back to the question of worthiness. Do I deserve to speak up for myself? Or will I be ashamed and let my boundaries be crossed again because I haven't taken care to manage them for myself? The cheap way to use boundaries is to blame other people, by the way but the honest and responsible thing is to be the one who says i'm tired or i don't have any enthusiasm for that or i have something that is more important to me that i will do first or even i have 1 hour and then i will go or i'll call you when i'm feeling the energy for a talk rather than you know sighing and and getting through that conversation or or whatever it is giving ourselves the spaciousness around our own caretaking is good boundaries and it doesn't have anything to do with anybody else and it's nobody else's fault that you're tired and you don't have the energy for it. So when we ask a good question, we're already taking care of ourselves and we're knowing how to be kind to ourselves and not ask a question we don't have the time and energy for. I like this from The Art of Asking Questions by Kevin Dickinson. A right question is any question that enlivens you comes from a place of honest curiosity and helps you to organize your thinking around what you don't know. And since you may be wondering, my therapist included feelings in asking a good question. She mentioned checking first with her feelings and seeing how they relate to the situation. I read that as checking in with intuition. She didn't say that specifically but then offering a side of compassion with the question as questions can be sharp too. She reminded me of that. And as you well know, I love Hillary Barrett and her interpretation of the I Ching. And she says this, there are no rules about what to ask, but some questions work better than others, making it easier for you to interpret the response. There are three basic questions you could ask, which cover almost everything. What's happening? What can I do? Or how can I respond creatively? What if I tried doing this? Or what if I continue on the same as before? Those questions are asking for insight, advice, or a prediction. And there is a fourth question and this fourth question is what I use here. What do I need to be aware of now? And I like that question for grabbing into two weeks in the future. What do we need to be aware of for these two weeks? What will help us navigate this time, understand ourselves through this time, and make sense of the nowness of. And so we ask the Oracle, What do we need to be aware of now for this full moon and for the two weeks after it? What can we know about this time? What will help us understand and make the best use of this opportunity of now? And the hexagram that we receive is 22, beauty. It can also be known as adorning. Adorning describes your situation in terms of its outward appearance. You can deal with it by decorating, beautifying, and embellishing the way things are presented. Gosh, doesn't it feel like, at least that's what it feels like in Maine, in the northern hemisphere, as we go into summer, things are just getting beautiful up here. This builds up intrinsic value. Be elegant, be brilliant, display your valor. Think of this as a festive marriage procession. Let the way you present yourself signal the changes in your life. This is pleasing to the spirits. Through it, they will give you success, effective power, and the capacity to bring the situation to maturity. Be flexible and adapt to what presents itself to be done. Have a place to go, impose a direction on things that brings profit and insight. Are you getting this sense of of some of your ideas focusing towards a goal? I am. (laughs) I don't really wanna talk about that right now and take the time to talk about that, but I can feel things starting to coalesce around some of the ideas and the thoughts and the creativity that I've been involved in, in the past three years. And so that sense of adorning of beauty of letting things be decorated for that purpose of having somewhere to go, that makes sense to me. Beings cannot come together without a new way to unite accept this and use the energy of adorning this means beautifying things i mean the simplest way to think about that is bring some flowers inside bring some nature indoors and let your space be beautiful because of the natural environment around us once again we have a hexagram moving to seven which is the army and It seems to point to me that we're meant to do this together, that we're not in it alone. Is there a way to beautify something in community? Is there a way to bring your specific talents and creativity towards adorning, beautifying, decorating? And in all the possibilities of the ways that can be, not just the first thing that comes to your mind, but let your scope go really big. Ask a big question about what does that mean to me? What does beautifying my world mean to me? That could go really big. And that could attend to some of your creative projects and ideas that have been waiting for a moment like this. 22 is also known as grace. There exists now a perfect moment of balanced, aesthetic form. The multiplicity of your current experiences can be glimpsed as a still and shimmering tableau. This all-pervasive elegance brings pleasure to the heart, clarity to the mind, and tranquility to the soul. You are in a state of grace. Contemplating your environment with the extraordinary point of view offered at this exceptional time can give you a vision of the possible perfection in the world. Yet ambitious attempts to achieve such perfection would be a mistake, for this is idealism at its worst. Use this ephemeral moment of grace to contemplate and refine only your immediate surroundings. Do not make any major decisions now. Grace is an enriching time in inner development and self-expression. Those involved in creative or artistic endeavors will find their work very satisfying. It is an inspiring time as ideas flow and the world seems to stand still. What is produced now appears to be divinely inspired. This moment of grace should be relished for the pleasure and good fortune it brings, but it should not become the pivotal experience for radical change instead contemplate the perfection of the moment and lose yourself in the rare tranquility of grace we've got lots of changing lines line one two three and six line one is move forward under your own power and avoid false appearances dubious shortcuts or ostentatious behavior it's most important now that you rely upon your own worth amen Line two, grace for its own sake is worthless to you now. It is merely an adornment. If you pay more attention to the vessel than to what it contains, you will entirely miss the meaning of this moment. Okay. That is our warning. Don't pay attention to the vessel, pay attention to what it contains. Ooh, that's nice. Okay. I like that. The third line. You are in a moment of perfect grace, living a charmed existence. Do not allow such good fortune to make you indolent, for this would bring unhappiness. Continue to persevere in your endeavors and principles. And I guess that speaks to this might be a moment that we feel floating and wonderful and at ease and to enjoy it, but not to depend on it. Does that work? And line six. You can rely now upon the sincerity of your true nature to supply your external radiance. Pretensions, form, and adornments are no longer necessary to achieve your aims. Simplicity is the path you must take. In this way, you will make no mistakes. (sighs) I just had this thought like, I hope that's true. Wouldn't it be nice to just have a floating rest? I know I would just want to rest all the time, but I still feel like I could use a moment of the sensation of feeling wonderful in my body, floating down the river and the weather's perfect and the bugs leave me alone. And just a moment of grace sounds really wonderful to me right now. This all moves to hexagram seven, the army and I can't help but think of that when we get the army, it has to do with who are your people? Who do you work together with to achieve your goals? And you're going to have a lot of different groups that you work with and let yourself become friendly and learn how to communicate and repair damage when it comes up and resolve conflict and do good work together. And it promises good fortune. The questions to ask are, what are you aiming for? How can you get more from your strengths? With all your efforts, are you creating the life that you want? Balancing the drive to get it done with a measured, disciplined approach allows you to achieve your objective effectively and with less collateral damage. Good fortune without mistake. And the questions here to attend to what are you aiming for how can you get more from your strengths with all your efforts are you creating the life you want that's such a good question isn't it with everything you do day in and day out from the way that you attend to your body when you wake up to the way that you put yourself to sleep at night with all your efforts Are you creating the life you want? It's such a good question. And sometimes we don't even ask that question. We do the things that need to be done over and over again when sometimes one simple shift in that routine could steer our ship differently and send us on a trajectory that does give us the life that we want over time, because of small, intentional acts. So all of this is sounding less ominous to me. It sounds like this might be a good time to let your creativity flow, enjoy the moment, and find your people, and get ready to work well together in your community. I'm going to go listen to some astrologers tell me what they think is going to, up with this full moon and see if it jives with this. For the past while here in Maine, we've had rain and rain and I think the garden really loves it, but there's also a sense that we might be approaching that tipping point of too much rain where things start feeling like they're not getting the sun that they need to grow the way that they want to grow. I know we're not all getting the sun that we want to do the kinds of activities that we love to do in July. The bugs have receded and now it's time to get back into places and things that we don't have to fight against the bugs so much yet the rain is here. And many of us have time off this week because of the national holiday in the States. And we're all here and it's raining and it almost feels like snowstorm time where you want to cuddle up inside under blankets and, and tuck away. And that's not a terrible feeling. It's just unusual to have that as July approaches. And I wanted a little bit more guidance here and I pulled an animal spirit card from the wild unknown by Kim Kranz and got bat. Bat is bringing us darkness, letting go, death leading to rebirth. Before emerging, the bat waits for the sun to set and the moon to rise. In the darkness, it can see all that was invisible in the daylight hours. The bat is a master of the subtle senses, of the underlying forces that cause some things to prosper and others to fade. The bat card shows up to signify the ending of a chapter, the closing of a door. The bat comes swiftly, encouraging us to move on. In just a few hours, a new day dawns, no more lingering in the past. Well, okay, bat, I mean, this is, interesting as we pass solstice time, we're coming to drawing darkness back in the days are getting shorter again, even though it's still this luxurious summertime here in the Northern hemisphere, but the bat and the letting go. I wrote a poem about bats. I haven't read it to you. I hope, I hope I'm not reading you the same things over and over again, but I'm going to read you that poem about the bats. This is from a few years ago now. I call it Bat Poem. When the bats came, I had been sitting alone, contemplating or considering whether the pain had really gone. She has been the constant visitor every day, aching my heart, throbbing like a flu in my spine. Each morning, like a visitor greeting me with tea. I inhale with relief. Wait, damn, it's still there. This pain flu has lasted six months. I can feel it when I listen, a symptom of divorce. I probably won't die from it. Anyway, when the bats came, I wondered if maybe that hurdy storm had passed and maybe I was still standing, finally, me alone. No more wind, free, serene, unbroken, not happy, not sad, but all my own in the setting full summer field, with the four bats showing up, circling around my head, the life in darkness, the joy in endings. So I'm saying that the bats mean the same thing to me, a shift, a change, a closing of a chapter. I like that. I'm not sure how that relates to this full moon, but let's see. Okay. So this full moon is the full buck moon in Capricorn, and it can have you asking the question, where am I being overly responsible? And where am I being too harsh or overly critical? And how can I or we let go of some of that to make way for sustained nourishing growth? And I like also to think about that in terms of the way the gardens are growing right now. There is this period of sustained growth. We've got the weather for it. And so can we make space and nourish that in ourselves too, this period of sustained growth and coupled with our hexagram for beauty and grace, that gives us this opportunity to relish the abundance of that feeling of growth that's slow. We're not getting the results of it right now. We're just watching the beauty of the the unfurling. And this is directly from Chani. What does it feel like to think about long-term sustainable pleasure and abundance and to be able to actually put in practice what it means to slow down and relish in the things that feel lovely? And I like that for us. Apparently, I don't know much about it, but apparently, some of the astrology coming our way in July is going to be a little maybe more challenging or maybe more exciting, maybe more dramatic. And so perhaps this first week of this full moon, we can go slow, relish the abundance of nourishing growth, and prepare ourselves for what is to come. The hexagrams are telling us to enjoy beauty, and to prepare for the gathering. The army points to gathering the people that are on your side to create the kind of world that you're looking for. So gathering your own inner forces, but letting that resonate with people who may want to work on projects with you or partner with you in in learning communities and that sort of thing. That's the way I'm taking it okay some of the things i can gather from different sources of um future predicting astrologers out there is that what we're looking at something about pluto look this is not where you're going to get your best information not from me but that we might see some systems of government falling apart as we have been watching in different various ways um since the pandemic and and probably before but it's been really noticeable to me since then and that we may be seeing some unraveling of that maybe that's what the astrology is talking about i'm not so interested in that what i'm interested in in is as maybe some older systems are falling apart or aren't working for us what is it that we are creating together and not necessarily on a huge scale, but what is it that we're creating in our inner circles? How are we bringing our people together and what is the intention behind that? And I'm talking about like family gatherings. How are you doing that in a way that's bringing truth and integrity and healing into those circles and your friend circles and the ways that you use those connections to make the world a better place? So let the healing be right inside you, let it transfer through every relationship that you are active in, in your lives. And doesn't that seem like a good way to incite change in the world? If that's something that you're interested in, I guess apparently I'm really interested in that. I keep talking about it over and over again. And with that, I think it is time to leave you, to call this full moon reading complete and let you get on with your day. And as you integrate all of this knowledge around asking great questions, I welcome you to send yours my way. There is a link in the show notes where you can leave your own voicemail for the show and maybe I can integrate it. Here is a great question from one of my friends asking if I was available for certain possibilities in the studio. I also wonder if you would ever be interested in hosting roller skating dance classes. So if you can just do roller skate dancing and aerial hoops and the stripper pole, all of those things in your studio, I would really just appreciate that so much. And so I leave you now for these next two weeks for a full moon moving into a new moon. And I'll be back with more thoughts and ideas and insight from the I Ching, giving us ways to think about our world, both inner and outer. Thank you so much for being here. If you liked this podcast, please rate and review and follow the podcast that helps so much for other people to be able to find it share it with people that you think might enjoy listening if you want to support me even further you can do that in your own way or find me on patreon that's www.patreon.com slash watermoonstudios Studios.